Father, this morning we just come to you. We just want to thank you, Father, for another day in the land of the living. Yes, Father, as this pandemic spikes, literally millions are affected in this country, thousands dying. Nobody knows the actual numbers. Life is a gift. It's a great gift, Lord, a precious gift. We have breath. There are thousands struggling to breathe. We just want to praise you. You have given us time. Others lost their time. You want to use this time to know you, to search for you, to understand you better and your purpose for us. Oh, Father, we just want to thank you for everything that you give freely. For no one can buy anything from you. Everything from you is free. We just want to thank you, Lord, for the riches of your mercy, the abundant grace that you pour upon us every day. And now as we come to your word, reveal yourself through your word, Lord. And Holy Spirit, we need you. Otherwise, it will be dead letters. We need you, Lord. Only you can reveal the Son to us. And he who knows the Son knows the Father. So reveal the ways of the Father through Scripture to us, Lord. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. So we are in the book of Judges. A man went to a psychiatrist because we're just trying to see how uh, faith really saves a lot of stuff in life. He went to a psychiatrist and he said, from childhood, I've never been able to sleep well. He's really troubled, restless. And he says, what's the problem? He says, I always had this fear there was something under my bed. And even now, I have not been able to get over my fears, therefore I am not able to sleep. The psychiatrist said, come to me thrice a week for one year, and I will see that. You'll be cured, your fear will be gone, you'll be able to sleep well. So he said, how much does it cost? He said, around $150 a sitting. He said, okay. But he didn't turn up. Six months later, the psychiatrist ran into this man on the street. He said, you never came. What happened? Are you able to sleep? He said, perfectly. No issues at all. I'm able to sleep very well. He said, what happened? He said, I went to church. And I just put an offering of $10. Went to the pastor after the service. I met him. He talked to me. Prayed over me. I'm free. He said, what did the pastor say? He said, just cut the legs of your bed off. And go to sleep, and you will realize there is nothing underneath it. <laughs> and he said, I did exactly that. And you know what? Then I calculated the amount of money I would have to pay you for a year. It was $23,000. I bought a new truck. <laughs> so it's good to go to church. It's good to go to church. <laughs> it's, actually, it's much cheaper. 
healing is much cheaper okay it's good to go to church so this morning we'll turn to judges chapter 6 because we are back in church and uh <clears throat> we read from verse 12 onwards okay gideon angel of the lord appeared to him and said to him the lord is with you mighty man of valor okay if you if you uh, go to actually verse 11 we we'll look look the context where he is sitting and all that now the angel of the lord came under the terebinth tree which was in ofra which belonged to joash the abzerite while his son gideon threshed wheat in the wine press in order to hide it from the midianites and the angel of the lord appeared to him and said to him the lord is with you mighty man of valor <laughs> and he asked this question gideon said to him oh my lord if the lord is with us why then has all this happened to us and where are all his miracles which our father told us about did not the lord bring us up from egypt and now the lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the midianites verse 14 Then the Lord turned to him and said, "Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you?" In verse fifteen. We'll first look at these verses, then we'll go further. So he said to him, "O my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh. I am the least in my father's house." And the Lord said to him, "Surely I will be with you. You shall defeat Midianites as one man." He had many questions. He had many questions. Actually, God didn't answer any of those questions. We have so many questions in life, and usually God doesn't answer any of these questions. He says, "If you learn to walk with me, all your questions will be answered. All your questions will be answered." Or some, if you want answers to question, but God says the answer to my question is my son. You walk with him. You learn to walk with him. You learn to live with him. You will realize our answers are. automatically being answered okay and our questions get lesser and lesser and lesser so here is god coming to gideon a fearful man okay sitting in a wine press and if you know the difference a wine press is more like a earthen or a kind of a pot kind of a thing different kind sometimes sunk in the earth sometimes a pot into which the the grapes are put in and the people wash their feet and then they stamp okay <laughs> and it and the juice comes out of an outlet that's what a wine press is okay threshing floor on the other side is usually at the elevated place side of a hill or something a plain on the side of the hill where the wheat is threshed usually by an oxen then the wheat is that is threshed is taken and it is thrown up when the wind is blowing so the wind separates the chaff from the wheat and the wheat falls down or the grain falls down the chaff is blown away that is how it can only happen but here you see a man is in the threshing floor sorry in the wine press threshing wheat the question is how is he going to shift the wheat from the chaff there's no wind in a wine press okay there's no wind in the wine press okay there's no wind in the wine press he's so fearful he's taken his harvest whatever it is he's sitting in the wine press and how is he going to separate because there is no wind there now this is also something which god tells us okay if there is no wind how do you separate the flesh from the spirit 
snow, wind. Like they both fall together. They both fall together. Okay. It doesn't work. Okay. The chaff and the wheat fall together. But he's still trying something over there. I don't know whether he threw it up and it is blowing at it. <laughs> what he was doing there, we do not know. But God comes to him and says, mighty man of valor. He looks at a fearful man doing an impossible job <laughs> where there is no wind of the Holy Spirit or no wind. And he's still trying. Okay, still trying. In Romans 4 and verse 17, there's a very powerful statement Paul makes. I have made you a father of many nations. Who is he talking about? Abraham. When does he say that? When he has no children. In the presence of him whom he believed. God who gives life to the dead. And calls those things which do not exist as though they did. That is God. Gideon is practically dead. <laughs> dead man. When it comes to anything God wants to do. Okay, but God comes and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. He comes and calls him mighty man of valor. Okay, that's how. That's why it's so important to hear from God. So important to hear from God. Once you have heard from God, okay, see, if God gives you, a, when God gives you a purpose, I'm not talking about your purpose. It could be the greatest purpose on earth, your own. Medicine, engineering, PhD. You can still achieve it with a lot of hard work. Effort, money, best coaching. No? Pastor Vijay said of the second most toughest exam on earth. <laughs> okay? But sometimes you meet them, you wonder how did they pass this exam? Okay, how did they pass this exam? So in, in, in the world, with hard work and money and resources, you can. But when God gives you a task or a purpose, please remember, Almost always, if not always, it will be impossible. It will be impossible. It's not possible. Without God, it will not be possible. Not only that, usually when he calls a man, either he is weak or he will make him weak and then call him. That's God's purpose. He does not call the strong, the wise. He calls the weak and the foolish things. And not only does he calls the weak and the foolish, here is one, Mr. Gideon, gives him an impossible. Possible task. Impossible task. Okay. That is God. That is when you know it is God. That is no when you it is God. When he speaks to you, you realize this is God. Because if you can do it by your own, maybe the best thing in the world, but you will know that it is not actually God. It is you. Okay. You have to hear when God defines purpose. Now, I'm not saying that <coughs> everyone is called to do something. No. Most people are called to join with something. You will, if you, if you look over there in Gideon, he said that you will defeat them as one. Right? But in that one, there are 300 others. And we don't know the name of any one of them. Except probably one, which is his servant, Pua. Okay? We don't know. Surely I'll be with you. You shall defeat the Midianites as one man. But that media, he, that one man is 301 people. But they have become one man. Okay? So please don't think that, okay, I'm waiting. God has to tell me what's, no. Sometimes God, you know it and God has spoken, but you're not receiving because you don't want to be part of something. But when you become 
part of something. Wherever, whatever, when God calls you to be part of something, until he moves you further, wherever you give it your everything, that you are part of that one. Okay. A lot of people never fulfill their purpose in life is though they are called and they are put into what is called the body of Christ, they are wavering. They don't give it. There. That's why God says, give it your everything. Do it as unto the Lord. You should be like Jonathan's armor bearer. He says, my Lord, where you go, I go. I am with you with all my heart. And he's going literally if God doesn't intervene to his death. Or Ittai, the Gittite. Right? David says, what are you doing here? Go back. You have your, I'm running. He says, I'm running with you. Where you go, I go. Okay. Ruth's commitment. We have to look at these people. What is so important about them is that Ruth has, if she looks with the carnal life, Ruth has no future in Israel. It is Naomi who is going back. She is the Israelite. She has a future. But youth has yoked herself with Naomi and says, where you go, I go. Your people, my people. Your God, my God. Where you die, I die. Okay, and God is basically looking for that. A lot of people, what I'm saying is that whatever you join with, you know, you know, if God has put you, give it your everything. Give it your everything. Okay, even if it's a secular job, like Joseph in Potiphar's palace, or Joseph in prison, or Joseph serving the Pharaoh. He, in, he had four jobs. One in his father's house. Okay, that's my father. He will get the glory. It's my, I'm, part of it. But other three places were all Gentiles. But he gave it his everything. Everything. Okay, so get these pictures, you know. A lot of people don't go anywhere in the kingdom of God is because they hold back. Hold back. You cannot hold back. You know why? At the end of the day, you have to think, at the end of the day when I do this, it's my Father in heaven who gets the glory. The earth and the fullness belongs to him. My father will receive the glory and one day he will come in me. And I'm doing it as well as do as do it as unto the Lord. Okay? Get these fundamentals very, very, very clear. So God calls those things which are not as they are. He comes and calls over us. You're all more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. What are you facing? Famine? War? Pestilence? Yeah, we're going through pestilence. After pestilence will come famine. Okay, they were, the Moody's was rating India's industrial output. Now they are talking it back because the, we are, we are being hit the worst after Brazil. India is the worst. Okay, and it's gonna hit us really, really bad. The third spike, other places, Europe and all, third spike, it's coming in. Okay, because you, nobody's knows what this, somebody probably created it in the lab, but he also has no control over it. It's mutating and going its own way. Children are dying. Babies are dying with organ failure. So it's it's becoming weird and dangerous. But the question is, if you are a believer, what do you have? Other than the mask and the prickle, what do you have? More than all this. You have a promise. You have a promise. What is the promise? He has spoken over us in all these things. In all these things. In everything he describes are terrible things. In all these things. You are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. Nothing can separate us from his love. Okay, his love. And that's, that's the key. That is the key. We focus on God's love. And let's come back. So don't limit God. Because my outward circumstances do not limit the hand of God. The Midianites are still the Midianites. They are like locusts. They are all over the place. But, verse 12 and verse 16. What is verse 12? The Lord is with you. 
mighty man of God. What's the first thing? The Lord is with you, mighty man. So it doesn't matter what your or mine outward circumstances is. The first thing is the Lord is with us. So the first thing is that am I truly born again? If I am truly born again, the Lord is with me. It's with me. And verse 16. Surely I will be with you and you shall defeat Midianites as one man. In both the statements, if you notice, God does not say God is with Israel. God only says he's with Gideon. Every movement was started by one man, including Abraham. One man. Okay. And the rest have to come and be part of it. Okay. He doesn't say God is with Israel. He says God is with you. God is with you. And the angel of the Lord, which is basically Jesus Christ. And he says, why? Your outward circumstances, why will you overcome? Because I will surely, surely I will be with you and you shall defeat the Midianites as one. Why can we defeat? Why are we assured of victory? What we face, whatever obstacles we face is because God is surely with us. And we have to believe it. It's not simple that God is with us, so I can do. No, we will see after we go through, there are a lot of things which God will mold us so that God can be with us. And we know God is with us. And we are doing things God's way. And we will realize at the end of the Gideon brings forth a massive victory, unbelievable victory. Okay, And unlike the other ones like Shamgar and Ehud and all, Gideon's is given over very detailed. Why? Certain things are given us in detail. Samson's is given in detail. If you look through the book of Judges, it is Gideon and Samson who stand out. Why? Because God is trying to teach us lessons. There are lessons God is going to teach. So uh, uh, Shamgar, there is just three lines. Okay, But even in that three lines, there is a lesson. But some very detailed. So we need to be very, very careful. So the Lord is with us. If the Lord is with us, that's what Paul says in Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ Jesus. So strength. It's not that I can do all things. I can do all I told you yesterday, it's confidence in the Lord, not self-confidence. That's how the devil will subtly turn. And some people are, I mean, I mean, it happens, especially for students. If you've got, there are students here. If you're really good at a subject, you get overconfident. Okay. And then you end up in the exam and you look in the exam paper and those questions you are not sure comes. Comes. Because you get overconfident. Okay. While another fellow who is sitting over there was not confident, he struggled hard, he puts his head down and says, Lord, bring to my remembrance. He thought I have forgotten also. And he does well. Because he was not self-confident. He was confident in God. Okay, I'm not telling that the guys who did not study at all, he puts his head down and prays. God says, I want to help you, but to bring to your remembrance, there is nothing. <laughs> it's just empty. <laughs> I am trying to bring something into your remembrance. When I go through your brain, there is nothing. <laughs> it is empty. All you can write is make a lot of noise. Empty vessels make a lot of noise. Okay? So, God is with us in this situation. It's incredible. It's the best Antidote to fear. In Zephaniah 3.17. I still remember Zephaniah 3.17. The Lord, your God, is your midst. I told you. Remember, I was driving down up the mountains in Sikkim. Me and another pastor, Pastor Cyrus, we are driving up. And there's a pickup van on the back written, 
Zephaniah 3.17. He looks at me, I look at him. We know we know these words very well, but nothing is coming to our remembrance. We know it's probably the most important words in Zephaniah. It is simply not coming, so we have to open up and read. Okay, this is what it is. The Lord your God in your midst, the mighty one, will say, He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. He is in your midst. And what will he do? He will save. He will save. Okay? And that's the antidote. The antidote to fear everything. Okay? So please remember this. God never leaves his people. It's his people who leave God. Okay? God never. So there is Mr. Gideon, and now we are going to start today's. We'll turn from verse 17 to 24. Let us see what happens now. Then he said to him, If now I have found favor in your sight, then show me a sign that it is you who talk with me. Okay? Remember he said, I am the least in my clan, the least in my family. And God doesn't say, no, 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 no. Gideon, that's a lie. You are the great. He doesn't say, what you say is absolutely true. <laughs> your class didn't fail. <laughs> and that too till class 10 you reached by copy. Hmm? I know you. Okay. He doesn't, no, he, he doesn't flatter us. He <laughs> tells us you are exact, what you said is true. But, if I am with you, your resume does not matter. Okay, resume does not matter. I am with you. Okay, so he said, if now I have found favor in your sight, then show me a sign that it is you who talk with me. Do not depart from here. I pray until I come to you and bring out my offering and set it before you. And he said, yeah. And he said, I will wait until you come back. Okay. So Gideon went in, prepared a young goat and unleavened bread from an ephah of flour. If pastors could do it, then they would leave the sheep alone and prepare a young goat. And the church would become better and better and better. We could just sacrifice a few goats. (laughs) The meat he put in a basket. He put the broth in a pot and he brought them out to him under the terebrine tree and presented them. The angel of God said to him, take the meat and the unleavened bread and lay them on this rock, rock and pour out the broth. And he did so. The angel of the Lord put out the end of the staff that was in his hand and touched the meat and the unleavened bread. The fire rose out of the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened bread. And the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. Now Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord. See the capitals meaning it was a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus Christ. They don't know Jesus, but we know it was Jesus appearing. So Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. And the Lord said to him, Peace be with you. Do not fear. You shall not die. So Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it, The Lord is Peace. To this day, it is in Orpha of the Abziraites. Many, many weeks back, Pastor Vijay preached on that when he was talking about different names of God. He came to this Jehovah, Shalom. Okay, This is the first time. Is being introduced as Jehovah Shalom. Each is an experience. Jehovah Jireh on Mount Moriah. Jehovah Nisi while fighting the Amalekites. Here God is being introduced to us as Jehovah Shalom. Okay? God is our peace. Now let's go to verse 17. 
let us have it all begins angel of the lord speaks to him gives him a promise and he's a little little excited i'm not saying encouraged little excited because whenever uh, like the excitement past two days for all those who were in class 10 and all no exams cancel automatically promoted you're excited <coughs> you're excited okay so he's a little excited really you're going to win over these oppressors called the board of exams you know <laughs> we are going to it's an easy battle we can win over that okay he's excited okay but he's not very sure Okay, he's not very sure. So he says, if now I have found favor in your sight, then show me a sign that it is you who talk with me. Give me a sign. Please, can you give me a sign? Do not depart from here, I pray, until I come to you and bring out my offering and set it before you. And he said, I will wait until you come back. So he says, you know what? Can you give me a sign? And you know what the sign is going to be? I'm going to bring my offering. And if you receive my offering, Okay, if you receive my offering, I will take it as a sign. You need to understand. I mean, it's interesting. It's very, very interesting. The thing is that the first sign given to man outside the garden was a sacrifice. The first sign given to man outside the garden was a sacrifice. The first sign Cain and Abel see. And Hebrews 11, 4 says, Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice. What happened at that? How did you know the sacrifice was? How do you know a sacrifice is more excellent? It was not because it was flesh and blood. Yes, that was the reason it was accepted. But how would they know? Because I believe fire came down on Abel's sacrifice and did not come upon Cain's sacrifice. So you know what? Gideon is going back all the way back into history. And he says, give me a sign. Give me a sign. And the sign I want is the first sign. I will offer a sacrifice. If it is you, if it's really the angel of the Lord, we have heard. I've heard. Okay, you will read. Manoah also does the same thing. Elijah also brings the sign. It is not rain. It is fire from heaven. Okay, a sign. Okay, they know the fire, first fire in the temple was lit by fire from God. Okay, so they asked for a sign. He asked for a sign. So what is the first sign? The first sign is your sacrifice has been accepted. That is the first sign. You know what is the first sign in our life? The cross. That's the first sign. The first sign. God is not looking at anything any one of us has done. He's looking at, have you really believed in the sacrifice of my son? That's the first sign. If you haven't believed in the sacrifice of my son with all your heart, with all your strength, it doesn't matter what all we do. It's irrelevant. Everything begins with the sacrifice. Everything. That's why the sacrifice. Abel and Cain offered sacrifice, but before they offered, God himself had offered in the garden. In the garden. He had offered a sacrifice. Covered them and then sent them out. Okay? And that's the key. If we have a sacrifice, we believe in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, then other things will follow. If we don't have it, then we are actually doomed. People don't realize people are doomed. There's a massive revival taking place in the world. That is the benefits of the pandemic. There's a massive revival taking. People in their thousands are flocking in. 
to hear the gospel now in many countries. They are listening. Internet, they are listening. You know what is happening? You know what is happening? That's what, what's actually happening. Let me read to you so that you will understand. <laughs> Let me read to you. This is from another country. Right? It's interesting, it's because, you know, Let me find it, okay, one second. This is from so that you know Pastor Vijay also got it. Hmm? This is from Poconos up there in hmm? okay, I won't read the personal stuff which is talking about us. In all my decades of worship, prayer, teaching here hearing. The lady is 100 years old. She knows every preacher in the USA. You name them, she knows them personally. Okay? Every you name them. John MacArthur, you T.D. Jakes, you name the big one. She knows them, all of them personally. Okay? In all my decades of worship, prayer, teaching, hearing all the brothers and sisters in ministry, I have met very few in these last years, I can count them on my fingers. Peter is an anointed worship leader. Blessed to have you in our lives and ministry. Your anointing has just increased, Pastor James. Shows on Pastor Vijay, Peter. Truly blessed. You will not believe. We listen to Peter all day long. He's anointed. Your messages and Peter's worshiping God. People sitting under your leadership have become familiar under your leadership. We there are thousands of miles away relish both your teachings, your preaching, and your worship. Okay, so that's why we have to be very careful. We do not get familiar with the word. Familiar with the word. We don't get familiar. It's not. It's got nothing to do with the preacher. Thing that we don't get familiar with the word. That's why we lose God consciousness. We lose God consciousness. Okay. And we have to be very, very careful about it. And that's what happened to Israel. God didn't leave them. They left God. They left God. And the first thing is that the sacrifice. That's where we are accepted. We are not accepted by our works or anything. We are only accepted in Christ. Only in Christ. That's the first sign. Okay. And when we have the first sign, one sacrifice leads to others. That's Hebrews 13 and verse 15. We are able to offer this sacrifice of praise. Therefore, by him, by again, it is through him. Let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. Continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. Keep on. Okay. That sacrifice leads to all our sacrifices. We are able to praise. And we will see that's what happens <coughs> in Philippi, in the prison at midnight. What happened was there was a sign. What was the sign? The captives heard two men singing. They were offering a sacrifice of praise. And it was a sign. The sacrifice was a sign. Okay. In the island of Patmos, what happened was an old apostle was offering a sacrifice of praise on the Lord's day. And God intervened. He accepted that sacrifice. Okay. And what happens when God accepts that sacrifice? When God accepts that sacrifice, the result is peace. Okay, when the the angel of the Lord touches with the staff and the sacrifice, boom, goes up. 
And he disappears. And Gideon is frightened. He says, alas, alas, I have seen the face of the angel of the Lord. And he said, fear not. Don't be afraid. He says, don't be afraid. Okay. What does he say? Peace be with you. Do not fear. Okay. Peace be with you. Do not fear. You shall not die. Okay. See, we can have peace with God only based on the sacrifice. If the sacrifice is not acceptable, we have no peace. Because God's sacrifice, God accepted the sacrifice of his own son, and when we go through that, we have peace with God. Otherwise, there is no peace. There is no peace. Peace is based on a sacrifice. The first thing about peace is it is based on a sacrifice. Where there is no sacrifice, there is no peace. So Israel had to offer continuously peace. They were called peace offerings. But once and for all, God's own son was offered. Okay? And what is the result of it? What is the result of it? The result is God speaks peace to him. See, there is oppression. <coughs> Midianites are there. You have lost everything. You have gone into poverty and you are looking for a deliverer. But before you can do anything, God, ha you have to see that you have peace with God. That's why we say we need to understand the ways of God. We are trying all. See, why do people go to other gods? Even, even uh, putting your trust in your own flesh and effort is another God. Your flesh is your God. It's your idol. And you know, I can do it. So you have become God and the devil is okay. Devil is okay with it. Okay. Devil is okay with it. Please understand, this is the fundamental problem. Why is it easy to lead on the flesh? Why is it easy to, uh, to other gods? Because the only thing the other god says is, bend and I will give it to you. Just bow. Just bow to me. That's what Satan offered Jesus too. But why, why are even Christians reluctant to go to the living God? Because his ways are righteous. We want his power. We want his power. His ways are righteous. So the first thing God will do with us is that we have peace with him. Now peace in the Bible is different from all the peace and the peace nicks you meet, in the, meet here in the world and meet in the world. It is not the same. Okay, It's a completely different concept about how we because everybody talks about peace and it's got nothing to do with the biblical peace. It is not a cessation of hostility or an eradication of problems. It will be one day, but not now. Peace is the result of our relationship with God. Basically, it means to have harmony with God. That is the term shalom means. You are complete, you are whole, you are in harmony. When you have, let us say, 100-member orchestra singing, what you want is harmony. One note goes out of place, it becomes cacophony. That's why Asterix has cacophonics over there. And they chase him out of the village every time he wants to sing. <laughs> right? You have, you, that is meaning a life which is in harmony with God. It, that is peace. That is the peace which God offers to us first. Okay, it's our relationship with God. Let's look at what Jesus says in New Testament. John chapter 7, 16 and verse 33. These things I have spoken to you that in me <coughs> you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Imagine a disciple asking Jesus, Lord, 
You are saying in the world we'll have trouble. Yes. You are saying in you we'll have peace. So Lord tell us very clearly. What are we going to have? Trouble or peace? He says both. What are you going to have? Are we going to have trouble or are we going to have peace? In the world you don't think that way. Either you have trouble or you have peace. But God says you will have trouble and peace. In the midst of your trouble I will give you peace. In this world you will have trouble. In me I give you peace. Why? Because he says I am with you in the midst of your trouble. Gideon is learning something. Okay? He's still all that he said. Small, 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 weak, clan, everything. Benjaminite, all that. And the Midianites are still all that they are. All over the place, like locusts. He has not gathered a single man to fight this battle. Outwardly, nothing has changed. God has not even told him what he is going to do and how he is going to do. Only one thing has changed. What is that? God has accepted his sacrifice. Only one thing. Only one thing has happened. God has accepted his sacrifice and he receives peace in his situation. Okay? Only one thing. Nothing may change for us. Only one thing. Okay? The thief on one side is going to die. And he's dying a painful death. Nothing is going to change. He's going to die. But in one instant, everything changed. He has peace with God. One instant, everything is changed. Why? Because God accepts his son's sacrifice on his behalf. On his behalf. He realizes God is with him. And God is for him. And there is suddenly he experiences something. Peace. There are lots of doubts. I'm not saying all your doubts are cleared. Okay. But you have peace. I hope you exp- you remember the first day when you accepted Christ or Christ accepted you. When you made peace with God. You knew nothing of the Bible. All your life was far ahead of you. You had no clue how where things were going. But you knew something had happened inside. You had peace. Okay, you had peace. So he had no clues. He has so many doubts. He will have many more doubts as he goes by. He doesn't know how this battle is going to be won. But he has peace. So God is also calling us to go into battle. But he first calls us into his peace. Jehovah Shalom. It's, it's a revelation and it is an experience. It's an experience. Okay. How can you be calm in the midst of the storm? Reason, I am with you. How do I know he is with me? Because a sacrifice has been accepted. God's wrath has been appeased on the cross. So when you look at the cross, and you put your entire weight on the cross alone, entire weight on the cross alone. I, I've told this, you know, in a, in a Pacific island, somebody, a missionary had reached with the tribals. He's trying to learn the language. He's learned the language. He's trying to translate the gospel. But he's not able to get the word for faith in their language. There's no word for faith. What is faith? To put your trust completely in God. So suddenly one of the, the one who interprets for him suddenly came out from the field and this missionary had a hammock. He came and lay in his hammock and he said in their language, ha, it takes my entire weight. He said, that's the word I was looking for. 
you know you know when you lie on a hammock you know it takes your entire weight you take the entire weight of your life past present future everything with all the wrinkles and the what put it on jesus and the cross you have peace god says accept it don't try one more thing to get saved don't try it's by grace and grace alone you are saved you cannot add anything after that what he does is a different thing it's a process of sanctification only saved people can be sanctified sanctified people does not necessarily mean you are saved there are a lot of sanctified people in the world who are not saved okay so sacrifice is accepted okay and words peace with you do not fear right what does he say peace be with you do not fear you shall not die john chapter 20 verse 19 first time jesus appears after right after his resurrection in the sunday evening same day at evening being the first day of the week when the doors were shut the disciples were assembled for the fear of the jews jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them peace be with you the first words jesus utters to his disciples is peace be with you you can have peace now why the sacrifice has been accepted dad is dad is no longer angry at sin dad is no longer mad at sin or sinners my sacrifice has been accepted that's why he told mary touch me not let me go to my father and your father why still work to do in heaven and the hebrew says he went on the holy of holies with his own blood once and for all perfected everybody who's being saved and he comes down and he says what peace peace okay comes down and says peace you don't have to worry it is done shalom what is it the doubts the doubts are not still gone okay they still doubt they will still go back fishing but they have received something they have received peace they have received shalom whole to make complete harmony of relationships okay when man sinned in the garden what was lost was harmony and because man was the ruler god designated ruler when the ruler fell everything fell out of harmony everything fell why is this pandemic over here if you look at the pandemic why is it because adam sinned why was there no disease death before adam and eve sinned because all creation was in harmony with god so first lucifer fell harmony gone in second heavens man fell harmony gone in the first heavens okay it's gone peace is gone and what is god doing colossians chapter 1 verse 19 and 20 the entire ministry of jesus christ he is the head of the body the church who is the beginning the first born from the dead in all things he may have preeminence yeah 19 for it pleased the father that in him all the fullness should dwell and what is he doing by him to reconcile all things to himself by him whether things on earth or things in heaven having made peace through the blood of his cross all of creation that has fallen second and for one and two is being reconciled through Jesus Christ through the sacrifice of his blood on the cross so we do not understand the power of that cross what god is doing through the blood of his son okay and it is through that peace is coming and it, it, it's 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 we may see chaos all around the world but actually peace is advancing 
Okay? Peace. After the storm will come the calm. And before the calm, the storm goes to its height and then it goes. So when we see all these things happening, Jesus said, lift up your head. So why? The storm is about to cease. Soon the storm will be over. The Son of Man will come. Judgment will be set and peace will flow like a river. Everything will be brought back to harmony. Okay, harmony. And how did it all happen? It happened from the cross. What happened on the cross? His son was the sacrifice. And the sacrifice was accepted. That's the first sign. The first sign. Second Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 19. Because he is reconciling everything back to the Father, what does God say? That is, God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them. Then what did he do? He imputed the trespasses to him. And he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. What has he committed to us? The word of reconciliation. You know what is the gospel? It's the gospel of peace. The gospel of peace. It's the gospel of man can have peace with God again. That is the gospel. Okay. So before Gideon can step out and do anything to destroy the enemies of Israel, he has to be first reconciled to God. And God accepts. Then God will send him out as an ambassador. That's what the next verse will say. We are ambassadors of Christ. Ambassadors, what is that? Ambassadors are those who bring peace between two countries. If there is any issue between two countries, the first two people who will talk to each other are the ambassadors. They intervene. That's the, pur- the primary purpose is to have, see that there is peace between two countries. They're two nations. And then only comes business deals and everything else. But if there is no peace, there is like India and uh, Pakistan have two ambassadors, there is no business, business deals because there is no peace. There is no peace. So the first thing is peace. Okay. And God says, we have been made ambassadors of that reconciliation. We have been given a message of reconciliation. Why? Because we have to be very, very careful. There is war over here. Gideon is going to fight the Midianites. We also have to fight our war. But that war is not the same. But we just learn the principles of warfare, how Gideon fought and what we are called to fight and what we fight. So Gideon is, like I said, Old Testament war is physical. <clears throat> New Testament is spiritual. Sometimes it is physical too. World War One and World War Two were fought for the cause of righteousness. It is righteousness versus evil. You had to fight those battles. So sometimes there are battles you will have to fight as a cause for, for, for peace. Right? What are prisons for? Prisons are to imprison those who break the peace in the society. What does a thief do? What does a criminal do? He breaks the peace of people. See, if you lost something and it doesn't affect you, then you are not bothered. Government is not bothered. But when somebody, somebody breaks into your house and loses, what you first lose is your sense of peace. You are afraid. Somebody violated my peace, the sanctity of my house. You know, the government intervenes. So you take that peace breaker. First, he's broken your peace. Peace breaker. And he puts him and locks him up. Okay, so there are physical interventions too interventions too and we have to be very careful about it because there is like the prodigal son the father allows him to go why because if he stays he will break the peace of the house peace of the house okay peace of the house so these these things are important there is war there are tough decisions to be made why because we have to maintain peace so we can never have peace the biblical peace until we come to God through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. 
through the blood of Jesus. That's Romans 5.1. That's what faith actually does. <coughs> Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? A lot of people do not have peace with God. You know why? Because they have never come to Jesus. They have really, really not been born again. Really not been born again. They have really never come to the cross. Okay, understood it. This is what it really means. I have come to the cross and I'm putting my entire weight on you, Lord. I just want to... See, as long as you don't put your weight on the cross, you will still try, the weight of trying to do good works will overwhelm you. I'm talking about good people. The other person is being condemned by the weight of the evil works. This is other man, good man, who is condemned by the weight of good works. In the midst of this pandemic, and it is spiking, hospitals are full, crematoriums are jammed, there is no place in the graveyard. It's all news coming from different parts of where the Archbishop of Gujarat has said, please, telling the flock to cremate your people because the graveyards are full. All over the world, things are happening. In the midst of it, you see hundreds and thousands of people at Haridwar. No mask, nothing Thousands and thousands. Why are they there in the midst of this pandemic? You know why? Because righteousness has to be earned. The weight of righteousness is causing you to risk your life when out of it nothing really comes. And God says, I take the weight of condemnation and the weight of dead works out of you. The good works which are dead works. So both the wicked man and the good man feels relief. You know what? I don't have to do good works anymore to earn righteousness. I just need to do the works appointed to me by God. That's all I have to do. The weight is gone. Because the problem with good works is you will never know how many good works is enough. How will you know? Okay. In a question paper, you know 100 questions are given. Okay, If it's a 100. And you are already told in advance how much you need to pass, how much is the cutoff point. You know it all. But with heaven, what do you know? That's a problem with karma. Your good works should outweigh your... But how do you know? Have you been keeping a tab? Like I do my wife's blood pressure? I got an entire tab. Every day, return it down. Is it coming down? It's coming down. It's coming down. Sugar, blood pressure, it's there. Every day, keep a tab. But can you keep a tab of your good works and evil works? Do you have any idea? So, because you have no tab, no idea, nobody can keep a record, so you have to have factor number two. Okay, you will come back. Better or worse. Man or cow, you will come back. You understand how this theology goes around? So finally you go around in a circle. That is what happens. But that's not what God does. God frees us. Frees us from the the weight of righteousness. Or works. Righteousness that comes by works. It just takes it off. Every religion, every religion, what you carry is the weight of righteousness. A religious man. Islam. Ramzan has begun. Everybody is in white. Everybody is fasting. Then as soon as sundown, everybody is feasting. Hmm? And the extremists in that religion, this is the time to kill as many as possible in the name of God. 
you look at that abolition every year, the maximum number of people who are killed by the extremists in Islam is during Ramzan season. That 30 days is the most dangerous time for people in those countries, in Afghanistan, Nigeria, and all the most dangerous times. This is the way of Why are they doing it? For righteousness sake. You see? God just sets you free. You don't have to do one thing. You have to believe in what my son has done. So the first sign is a sign of sacrifice. And once you have gone through that first sign, what does God speak? Don't be afraid. You have peace. What does God speak to Gideon? Do not be afraid. You shall not die. You shall have peace. Apostles are gathered because of the fear of Jews. Jesus comes and says, peace. They had betrayed him three days ago. I don't know how they couldn't probably even look at him. They all ran away. Nobody did anything. What does he come and say? Peace. I don't judge you. Dad doesn't judge you. You have peace with me. You have peace with the Father. All you have done is erased. My Father is satisfied with what I have offered. Right? Peace with God. It's a cessation of hostility. God is at peace with us. And you are at peace with God based on his son's sacrifice. Shalom. John chapter 14 and verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give it to you. Not as the world gives, do I give it to you. Let your hearts not be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You know what he's saying? He says, I'm leaving my peace with you. What he is giving to us is his peace. This peace is not ours. If peace was ours, then every day we will, be, we will wake up peacefully. But if some days we are at peace, some days we are restless. You know why? Because that's the nature of our peace. But he's saying, I'm not talking about that peace. My peace. It is not our peace. It is God's peace. My peace. John 20, verse 20 and 21. We have read 19. Jesus said to them again, what is that? Peace to you, as the Father has sent me, I also sent you. And what did he do? Yeah. What did he do? Yeah. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. It is not only God's peace, that peace is also represented by a person. How did they receive peace? Because the Holy Spirit came upon them. That's the only way you will receive peace. Because along with the sign, there is an experience. There's an experience. The sign is the sacrifice has been received. The sign is that I have believed in the sacrifice of God. The proof is the Holy Spirit comes in. He gives you peace. He gives you peace. Okay. So he's not sending them fearful and restless. He's sending them out in peace. You know what? You have peace. The thief on one side will die a miserable man. The thief on the other side will die in peace. Die in peace. Though he didn't do anything, he couldn't do change anything that he has done. But he dies in peace because he receives a peace that is of God. Because God has spoken. You will be with me in paradise tonight. And we know Jesus appeared in paradise. He appeared in the prison. He spoke. So this man had a lecture. Jesus went first because Jesus died first. A few hours later, this man comes and he's hearing the gospel. I forgive you. Now let me tell you why I forgave you. Do we understand the gospel in the beginning? No. 
And after that we are learning, oh, this is why he forgave me. This is the results of forgiveness. This is the results of peace. Okay? You don't have to understand everything to receive the mercy of God. You don't have to understand everything. You just have to look at the cross and you say, Lord, I don't understand everything, but you know, Lord, <coughs> if this is true, and I believe it is true, I receive it. I just receive it, Lord. Okay, So don't get too theological about it. Just believe. Galatians 5.22 5.22 The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. The first three things, love, joy, peace. You see, you can't do anything about a fruit. Okay, Though they sell fruit, mangoes, you buy it, they look yellow. When you cut it, it is sour. Why? Because it was ripened artificially. Okay. A lot of people try to artificially generate peace. It is sour. Your peace is sour. It, it simply doesn't work. This is the fruit of the Spirit. That is why you need to realize peace is connected with a person. It's the Holy Spirit. It is His manifestation. It is its fruit. It is fruit. And you know about a fruit. It takes time. It grows. Then it ripens. So meaning, <coughs> how you will experience your peace will be different. God will take you through trials, testing, step by step by step by step by step. And as you go into deeper and deeper water or more hotter and hotter fire, you will suddenly realize, you know what, this peace of God can stand any depth or any heat. It can handle. It's not my peace. And why does God put us yesterday? We looked at trials and tests. Why does he is not just testing our faith? He's also testing our peace. Is my peace real? Because these are all proofs. You need to know whether you are really saved or not. Because ultimately the only thing that will matter is, like children sitting over here, class 10, the only thing they are bothered, I have passed, why government said so. <laughs> Did you write the exam? No. Let me ask you this question. Did you write the exam? No. <laughs> okay, yeah, exactly. Did you, did you write an exam? No. Do you have any mark sheets? No. Are you, have you passed? Yes. Why? God, in the same way. Can you show me your works of righteousness? No. Do you have any mark sheet to go to heaven? No. Then how do you know you are saved? Because God said so. God said so. But the, the government said so without doing anything. Christ paid his own life on the cross. <laughs> okay. Okay, that's the difference. The same government who says, you are passed. Five years from now when you try to get a uh, get, uh, job, Okay, they will also have a secret order saying 2019-2020-2021 batch don't receive them because they never pass their exam. Okay, be careful. There are all the secret orders passed by the government to say certain people should not be taken in because they are weak. Which nobody knows. The only fellow sitting at the interview will know these people check their which year they passed. Okay, corona patch, okay. This corona patch people who passed, okay. But God doesn't do like that. Actually, on the other hand, in the kingdom of God is the other way. All who believed in Christ only is allowed. Everybody who comes in the righteousness, give them out. With the mark sheet and with the resumes, with the medals, with the trophies, throw them all out. People who have nothing but only faith in Christ, let them in. Okay? So it doesn't work the same way. Ephesians 2 and verse 14. 
Okay? So it's a, for he himself is our peace. That's why I said it's a person. It's a person. He himself is our peace. Okay? Is that true? I always say in a house, the wife is a peace. It's a person. The wife is upset, the house is upset. <laughs> Honestly, because the wife, the mother, is the pillar on which the house is built. If the wife is upset, okay, the wife will not say a word. But that's the problem. She will not say a word. There is silence in the house. We think silence brings peace. But everybody is tense. The husband is tense. He wants to go for office early. <laughs> okay. The children are looking at what is happening. And usually she will only convert after the husband is gone. Because the peace is between them two. It's gone. Okay. Peace is a person. Person. Peace is a person. Please note this is how believers know whether you are saved or not because the person is silent. The peace is the person. It's not that he doesn't love you. He cares for you. He loves you, but he's silent. Joseph loved his brothers. He cared for his brothers. Everything he suffered was for his brother's sake. And he blesses them and sin, but he doesn't speak to them. Because why? Does he have peace with them? Yes. But do they have peace with him? No. Please don't ever think that when I sin against God, God loses his peace. No, he never loses his peace with me. I lose my peace with him. God is still at peace with me. Because he's not looking at my works, he's looking at the work of his son. And he's still at peace with me. But I do not have peace with God. So peace is important. So we are not talking about the kind of peace the world talks about. 1 John chapter, uh, Colossians 3.15. Yeah, not 1, Colossians 3.15. Key words. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Okay? What should rule in our hearts? What rules our heart? Who reigns in our heart? God says it is the peace of God. Does the peace of God reign in your heart? And that peace comes only on one condition. You have peace with God, then the peace of God will rule your heart. The peace of God. So outer circumstances are irrelevant. What you are going through is irrelevant. All that is irrelevant. The simple question is, is the peace of God ruling, reigning in your heart? Okay. This is the new covenant. The old covenant was completely outward. If Israel had to have rest, then they have to defeat all their enemies. And the enemies could never overcome them. And they need to have peace, they need to have prosperity, all that. New covenant is completely different. The simple thing is that, is the peace of God ruling your heart? Is it reigning in your heart? Is it in control of your heart? How do you get it? 1 John chapter 1 verses 7 to 9. Okay. <clears throat> 1 John chapter 1 verses 7 to 9. Yeah. You're going to Peter. Yeah. 1 John, 1 John. <laughs> yeah. If we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all our unrighteousness. We know this very well, but you see, even there, it is the blood that works. You cannot escape the blood. Even on a day-to-day walk, you cannot escape the blood. The only thing that will restore the peace 
you and I have lost is the blood of Jesus. If you confess, he is faithful. The blood of Jesus cleanses you of all unrighteousness. And what do you become? Righteous. You become righteous. And what is established again? You now have peace with God. It's not that God did not have peace with you, but you did not have peace with God. That's the way, the only way it works. Okay? So, it does not mean when a born again brother or a sister sins, he became unjustified or he became unborn again. He only lost his peace with God. Okay? He'll, he'll, the peace of God is not reigning in his heart. That is David's cry. Okay, I'm not able to sleep and all that. This thing, my pillow is, you know why? Because he lost the peace of God. It's not reigning in his heart. It's not ruling in his heart. Think about a little child. Okay, a little child. The child behaved wrongly or whatever through a tantrum or something. And the father says, go. Go to your bedroom. You're grounded today. Don't come down. The child goes. The child is sitting there sulking, crying. You know why? The father and the mother and the rest are happily having their dinner. Has the father lost peace with the child? No. The child has lost peace with the father. Okay. When I sin, does the whole universe stop? No. God has Everything is continuing. You stopped. Everything continues. God is still on his throne. He still has peace with you. He still loves you the same way he always loved you. Nothing has changed with God. You know what? You lost your peace with God. That is the peace of God. It's no longer reigning in your life. You did not lose your peace with God. You have to understand this difference. Because what happens is whenever a believer sins, he immediately thinks, I am unsaved. I am gone. I am lost. God said, you're confusing it. You think you're saved by your works? Don't confuse the peace with God and the peace of God. The problem is, if you do not have peace with God, you would never know what is a peace of God. Okay? Those who do not have peace with God, meaning those who are not genuinely saved, do not know what is the peace of God. The peace of God that passes, the Bible says, understanding. Okay? Because it is the peace of the Holy Spirit. Okay? If you go to Romans chapter 14 and verse 17, it goes together. Okay? For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. The kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. But righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Okay. The Holy Spirit is the person. Yeah, please shut the door to somebody. Yeah. Righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. What comes first? Righteousness. righteousness. You have to be justified with God. And then comes peace. So you have been justified with God because you believed in the first sign that it is sacrifice. You have peace and you have joy. Okay? Let's leave joy aside. That's another lesson. You have peace. Yeah, please. Sirish, shut the door, honey. Shut the door. The AC is on. <coughs> shut the door. Yeah, close the door. Yeah. Okay? And righteousness, then a saved person who has a peace with God when he sins, what does he lose? Peace. He loses peace. Like I said, the simple thing is to look in a family atmosphere. When there is, let us say, not a fight. We don't go there. A misunderstanding between the husband, the father and the mother. What is lost in the house? The children first don't realize. Then after some time they will realize at the dinner table where people, in the homes where there is a dinner table, and fellowship, they will suddenly realize they are chirping this thing as usual and after some time they will realize there is silence at the table. 
the two important people over there, they are not communicating. Our communication is in monosyllables. They realize, you know what? Then they also slowly, they look each other. And if they have an experience of this in the house, they will know. What has gone? Have they filed for divorce? No. They just had a misunderstanding. Huh? Are they unmarried suddenly? No. What has happened? Peace has gone. The peace of God has gone. And that's what God is talking about. Watch out. This is a marker. That's a sign. The peace of God. So righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's the person. That is a person. Okay? Jesus is our peace. And the proof of that peace is the person of the Holy Spirit. That's why we are told, don't test him. Don't grieve him. Hebrews 12 and verse 7. If you end your chastening, we looked at that yesterday. God deals you with as a son. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? So what does God do? Okay, God has peace with us, but we don't have peace with God. We will only have peace until we walk in righteousness. So what does God do? God disciplines us. What is the purpose of disciplining? So that we will come into the, his righteous ways. Okay, now we go to verse 11. You will see. Okay, we have to endure chastening. No chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward it yields what? Peaceable fruit of righteousness. It's a peaceable fruit. This righteousness has brought forth a fruit that is peaceable. Okay, like some of us when we were children, we didn't want to be woken up in the morning. But you had fathers who woke you up in the morning. You had no choice about it. Okay? And no choice about it. And you know what has happened? We hated it. We disliked it. But today you know what? No, but you don't even need an alarm. Then you didn't like it. Today it has produced a peaceable. Because today you suddenly realize the most important thing in your life is time. Time. And it's suddenly working. Another thing which you watch, I personally learned was that especially when my father was around, you never said at the dining table as a child, you did not like a particular food. You never, you ate what was kept before you. You ate it. No questions asked. Because simple statement was, poison is not served in this house. Because you need to realize, when I, when I came from the mountains, Bhutan, and I reached Kerala, okay, and in my grandfather's kitchen in the dining room in your city. Everything that was served was something which I was not used to. I was not used to that food at all. I mean, imagine a 10-year-old boy, 9-year-old boy having to eat a set of variety of dishes which he doesn't like one of them, not even the rice. Because I'm not even used to that rice. Everything was... But you know who's sitting next to me and eating? My father. Looks at me, it just disappears. <laughs> disappears. The only thing I escaped was a particular kind of yam because that yam can also create irritation in your throat. So I said it irritates my throat so that I escaped. Everything else I ate. You know what? Today it produces a peaceable food of righteousness. You can go on mission to any place, everywhere and eat what is offered. It offered. Yet, if you have a choice, you still stick to what you eat. Okay? Everything you need to realize God chastens us, chastens us, He disciplines us, 
and later it produced. And that fruit of righteousness, you know what it is. It is peaceable. You know what? What does it mean peaceable? You don't have to worry about a lot of things when you get older because you determined and disciplined it in your childhood. You don't have to worry about it at all. Because a lot of time is gone when you are actually God wants to use you, worrying and trying to arrange things. But because you were chastened and disciplined by God through men or women, parents, teachers, whatever, what happens is not like children sitting over here, young people sitting over Practically no one reads. No one reads. And then when you get saved you realize everything is dependent upon reading one book and how much time you can read, how many times can you read, you will ultimately determine where you will reach and you don't have a discipline of reading simply because you refuse to endure that. Reading is a discipline. You have to endure it. Endure it. Endure it. You find me one man of God in human history, church history, who became a servant of God who did not read. Never. It's impossible. Impossible. And we are struggling. You know why? Because we did not endure. And then later, you know what? We are struggling because we do not have this peaceable fruit of righteousness. Why does God chasten us? God chasten us so that we may partake of his righteousness, of his holiness. And even his son had to go through it. So understand peace in the Bible is not the peace we talk about in the world. So even if you are older, you understand certain disciplines are important, you know. Like let's say there are 20 people sitting over here or 25 people sitting over here. If you ask them, how many of you want to learn music, everybody will put their hands up. But you know, this is a discipline. It doesn't come from talent. It comes from discipline. <laughs> the only way you will learn to play a musical instrument is practice. Everybody is waiting for a gift to fall where you will pick up. You will hear this story, you know, brother, uh, this brother asked the Lord and he memorized the whole Bible. In fact, and it's not going to only happen to him. It's not going to happen to you. Oh, this brother, suddenly he picked up the guitar and the anointing came and it maybe happened once in a lifetime to somebody. It's not going to happen to you. These are aberrations. Not enough. <laughs> And you know why it happened to those people? Because they were incredibly disciplined in everything else. This is one thing they were not. And God said, I see the rest of your life, I'm giving it to you free. Okay. Understand? Peace, peace, peace. When Jesus was born, Luke chapter 2, verse 14. Jesus was born. <laughs> chapter 2, verse 14. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth... Peace. What is the first thing that God, this God brings or Jesus brings to the earth? It is peace. His entire birth is signifying, you know what? God will have peace with man again. He will be ultimately satisfied. Luke chapter 1, 78 and 79. John the Baptist's father, Zechariah's prophecy. <coughs> to the tender mercy of our God with which day spring on high has visited us. To give light to those who sit in darkness and shadow of death. To guide our way into the way of peace. Okay? It's a way of God. It's a way of peace. It's a way of peace. Like I was saying yesterday, there were many shortcuts. <laughs> many, many shortcuts. But that way was a way of peace. 
you had to hang in there you had to stand there you had to this thing but you know what you had two choices two choices are always there do you want peace with man at the cost of peace with god or you want peace with god at the cost of peace with man that's what the devil offers and usually people compromise because they are not able to handle the pressure the pressure will be intense the fire will be turned up seven times over ben bauer burn and they will say will burn the rest of judah said we will bend that's what's happening around the world oh, and that's what happening the cancel culture is entirely about that okay we are redefining family bend or burn pastor say no family is one man and one woman not two men two women okay we are coming after you we are redefining gender sorry god created the male and female we refused but most of them have bent over bent over you know why because they want peace with man god man leaves you alone your 50 whatever this thing is not affected they don't harass you you know the the level to which they harass john macarthur's church to the point they said they will uh, take their parking lot off which is rented because the cars have to park over there they couldn't do that finally you know what the um, the the county said we need the parking lot for uh, we are going to bring the covid patients over there and put tents up over there so that the parking lot is there church cannot gather because people cannot park their cars and they cannot walk from their homes and you know what john macarthur said oh that's excellent please bring them i will send my youth team to minister to them and immediately they drop their idea <laughs> they drop the idea he said you're welcome please bring them all we will send our ministry teams to go and minister to them they immediately drop the idea that's how it should be but most people bend buckle under pressure buckle under pressure you know why because they want peace with man this is a false peace which the world offers it's temporary all that peace is irrelevant when you don't have peace with god and the peace of god in colossians the bible says let the peace of god reign or rule over our lives and this zachariah prophet prophesied when he comes he will guide our feet in the way of peace you look at people actually you know you have to look at i mean you have to look at people the way said they are i've heard reports of people when they die how they die tormented <laughs> they had everything in life they had power prestige money luxury everything but when they die they die desolate they die miserable they die in torment they die of overdose who can be elvis presley or michael jackson it doesn't matter what you reached in heaven how did they die no peace that peace There was a man I heard about in Bangalore. He told his family, "Today I need to go to church." He was ill. He said, "I need to go to church." I said, "Why?" He said, "I'm going to die today. I want to die in church." Tell the pastor. I said, "Bring him." He came to church. He lifted his hand three times. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Closed his eyes. Died and went home. <laughs> Peace. So I don't want to die at home. Let me go to church. Let me die at church. And they took him and buried him. Okay. <laughs> You're thinking about it. Ultimately, that's the only thing. You have peace with God. There's a peace of God reigning in your heart. Death holds you no fear. That's why Scripture says, "Love, righteousness, love." Um, in um, uh, in Galatians, love, 
peace and joy. Here, righteousness, peace and joy. Okay? Nothing can separate you from the love of God. And when you have the peace of God, you're always aware, you know what? God loves me. God loves me. You know about children, you know about little children. I mean, I've had lots of little children, including the little ones, no? When you have a little child in your house, you don't have to entertain the child. The child will entertain itself. The only thing the child looks on the corner of the eye is the parent is there or not. The minute you move from one room, they look up and say, are you coming back? I said, I'm coming back. That's all. They can play on their own. They can do things on their Only thing they look the corner of the eye is it. And that's what Jesus says. You know what? I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will be with you till the end. And when you walk this way, you know what? God hasn't left me. Therefore, his peace hasn't left me. My circumstances don't matter. Circumstances don't matter. What I'm going through does not matter. You know what? I not only have peace with God, I have the peace of God reigning, reigning in my heart, ruling over my heart. And we don't realize these are the fundamental most because the world offers a very false compromising. And please remember, Jesus does not offer that peace. In Matthew 10, verse 34 to 36, Jesus refuses to offer that peace. Okay? Do you not, do not think that I have come to bring peace on earth. What did he say? But are you the prince of peace? Are you not our peace? Are you not supposed to guide our, he says, yeah, but not that peace. This peace is different, that peace is, I have not come to bring that peace. It's a peace that comes out of compromise. No, I did not come to bring a peace, but a sword. You know what? Instead of that false peace, I will put my sword through that peace and create conflict there. Because I will not let my people live in false peace. I have come to set a man against his father. Lord, what are you doing? You're destroying my family peace. He said, exactly. It's a false peace. It's a false peace. Jacob loved Rachel. And his 14 years was like a few days. Where is it written in the Bible, Rachel loved Jacob? Is it written? Is it written? Rachel loved Jacob. When he left her father's house, what did she leave her father? Even her husband did not know she was carrying her father's idols. I'm going to put a sword through it. Jacob, your peace is false. Peace is false. I need to take this lady out of your life. Lord, why? Because if she lives, Joseph will never fulfill his purpose. She will destroy him with her idolatry. It's not Leah who's dangerous. It's not Bilha who's dangerous. It's not the concubines who are dangerous. You know what? The girl you love is dangerous because she's got idols in her heart. She will destroy both Joseph and Benjamin who are prophetic figures. You know why? I've come to bring a sword. Your peace is false. It's not real. And we, because we want peace at any cost, we compromise. Parents, when a man gets saved or a girl gets saved, immediately peace is gone. Actually, it's a gospel of peace. But the gospel of peace has brought a sword into the house. Now what are you going to? Pressure comes immediately. Pressure comes, pressure. Daughter against her mother. Daughter-in-law. Daughter-in-law and mother-in-law always fight. But this has got nothing. It's got to do with faith. It's got to do with faith. A man's enemies will be those of his own household. How can that be possible? Lord, you're the prince of peace. He says, yeah. It's true. But he says, one day, you will have peace. One day they will get saved. One day they will turn around and they will look at you and say, we are sorry, you were right. It may happen, it may not happen. 
Not, there's no guarantee about this thing because free will is involved. So Jesus does not offer a false peace and we do not buy false peace from Jesus. It is not sold in heaven. What he offers is true peace and the price you have to pay is righteousness. You cannot circumvent righteousness and reach peace. Righteousness, peace. Righteousness, peace. See, a lot of people can live without joy, but you cannot live without peace. That is why people compromise. Joy is not so important. Peace is most important. Why are there false peace in the house? You see, most house, even Christian house, the peace is false. It's not real. Everybody has, they're all like, not like Kenny Rogers saying, but they're all islands in the sea. It is water in between. This is my space. This is my space. You leave me alone, I will leave me alone. Hi, honey. Hi, honey. Actually, there is a false peace. Adam and Eve had a true peace before they fell. This way they were naked and they were not ashamed. They were naked with each other. They were naked before God. They were not ashamed. It was a true peace, harmony, nothing hidden. Now, it is not. It's a false peace. False peace. It's not a true peace. It's a false peace. And people are satisfied with false peace because if you try to go for the true peace, you know what finds? You find a sword. The sword goes through your soul. It exposes. We don't want exposure. Like I said, God is a surgeon. He will mess up your outside to get to your inside. The word of God is a double-edged sword. It exposes everything. So you know what? We don't live on peace. We live on flattery. Oh, you're so cute. I am so happy. You know, I am good because pastor said I am so cute. It's false. We live on flattery. We, we don't live on true peace. True peace. Okay, but when God comes with the sword to David, he's trying to bring, you are that man. This is, this is, this is everything. And his only thing is that, do not take your Holy Spirit. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. He says, you know what? I haven't experienced peace for a long. Holy Spirit has not been taken away. Holy Spirit is there. He's not experiencing it. It's like Joseph, I said. Joseph is right there before them. Joseph has peace with his brothers. He wants to love his brothers. He wants to bless his brothers. But he will not reveal himself to his brother. He's silent. And when he speaks to them, he speaks to them in Greek and Latin, not in Hebrew. Have you understood that? When God speaks to you, you don't understand because it sounds like a foreign tongue. You know why? Because he's speaking to you through an interpreter. He will not speak to you in your own tongue. Though he knows your own language, he knows your feelings, he knows your emotions, he knows your situation. He can talk to you better than anybody where you can understand him very clearly, but he refuses to talk to you. He speaks to interpreters and through parables. You know why? Because you do not have peace with him. It's not that he doesn't have peace with you. So Joseph, a Hebrew, to his ten brothers, speaks to them through an Egyptian interpreter. He speaks to them Egyptian, Egyptian speaks to them Hebrew, they speak to him in Hebrew, the Egyptian speaks to him. And these are Hebrews. You know why? No peace. There are issues in the past that need to be resolved. You just swept it under the carpet. 21 years have passed by. It is all forgotten. God says, nothing is forgotten. If it is not confessed and under the blood, it is still standing there. It is not gone. So we live on false, false peace. Should I continue or should we go to pray? <laughs> Caught between the two. No.
like Paul said, for me to die is better, to live is also good. <laughs> Let's finish, please. That's too important a point. Hebrews chapter 1, 7, verse 1, 2, 3. 7, because tomorrow is Saturday. It's a different topic altogether. Hebrews 7. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of kings. So please don't think about Abraham as such a nice, cool man. He came slaughtering kings. Okay? These men of God were tough men. Okay? And the king slaughtered kings and blessed him. To whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being translated king of righteousness. What is Melchizedek? First, king of righteousness. Also king of Salem, meaning king of Without father, without mother, without genealogy, having neither beginning nor days of end, but made like the Son of God, remains a priest continually. What God is talking about? Jesus Christ. Who is Jesus? King of righteousness and king of peace. If you're not king of righteousness, you cannot be a king of peace. And when did he bless him? <coughs> when Abraham came after slaughtering the kings. That's the first war in the Bible in Genesis 14. What is this war all about? Do you have to get involved in that war? No. You are fine. Your family is fine. Everything is fine. Nothing has been touched. Your ungrateful nephew, you know that fellow who took the best piece of real estate and went away? He has been taken captured, captive. Now the question is, will you risk your life for him? See, Abraham had to fight two battles. First, you had to win the battle inside before you will win the battle outside. When he wins the battle inside, and he wins the battle outside when he comes, the king of righteousness and the king of peace blesses him. Blesses him. That is the first war. If you don't win the battle against our brother inside and we compromise, you know, I don't have to do it. He had his free will. He chose. He's gone into captivity. It's his problem. It is not my problem. God says, you know what? You sound like Cain. Sound a lot like Cain. I'm not my brother's keeper. Okay. Okay. This is our issue. We don't confront situations. We don't confront ourselves or we don't confront when we see because we want a false peace. We want a false appreciation. We want a false friendship. We don't confront. And God is not false. His love is very real. He confronts. He will confront. But he will confront like Saul. One, two, three, five. He says, leave it alone. There's no point confronting him. He will never learn. He just gets even more mad. Leave him alone. Leave him alone. He says in the book of Proverbs, I'll leave you alone. I think it's chapter 2 or 3. He says, leave it alone. Okay. Then in the hour of trouble, when you cry, we'll laugh at you. Okay. So be very careful about these things. That's why peace is so important. Jesus Christ is the Prince of Peace. He's the King of Righteousness and the King of Peace. Genesis 14, verses 21 to 24. After the war, the king of Sodom said to Abraham, give me the person to take the goods for yourself. What did Abraham say? <coughs> Abraham said to the king of Sodom, I have raised my hand to the Lord, God most high, the possessor of heaven and earth. I will take nothing from a thread to a sandal strap that I will not take anything that is yours, lest you should say I have made Abraham rich. Wait a second. That's enough. What do you say? Why do kings go to war? For loot, for plunder, for spoil. That's why kings go to war. They come back. Remember? Sisera's mother. Oh, he will come maybe with two girls and this cloth and dyed garments. That's what they, they all go for loot. War was for loot. Why is this hatred for 
one particular community in North India, not so much in South India, because North India was afflicted by the Muslim invasions. The temples were destroyed, women were raped, taken, everything. So there is an inbuilt anger built over hundreds of years. South India, you don't see it because we didn't go through that, except in Karnataka, Tipu Sultan. We didn't go through that. And the, the, the Muslims in South India were indigenous. But the ones who came to North India was different. But why did they all come from? To loot. Every invader came to loot. Okay? So God is testing Abraham. You went to rescue. I want to check your motive. You rescued your nephew. But did you go for money? And this was just on the side you rescued your lot also. God will check your motive before the king of peace can bless you. What are you in this for? What are you in this for? That is why we have to be very, very careful that even if somebody doesn't say a thank you, you shouldn't get offended. What are you in this for? What are you in this for? You should get very offended because you got into this war and you would say, I did so much sacrifice. I did these things. You know why? Your motive was wrong. Motive was wrong. I don't think Lord said a thank you. He went back to Sodom and Gomorrah. Was Abraham offended? He's still praying for Lord. Because the Bible says Melchizedek blessed him. It's not only says he blessed him, he gave him bread and wine. He gave him bread and wine. Okay. God, we can, that's why the order in Acts chapter 242, you have doctrine, you have fellowship, and then you have judgment. And it is why? Because you have won the war with yourself. I am my brother's keeper. I don't need him to do anything. I don't need him to say anything. I don't. I, I, I owe it to him. How do you owe it to him? Because I owe it to him. He didn't owe anything to me. He didn't owe anything to me. He didn't owe anything to me. If he could do as the son of God this thing for me, then he doesn't owe anything to me. I, that's what 1 John, John 3.16 and 1 John 3.16. 1 John 3.16 is what people hide from. But they go together for God. So loved the world he gave. For this we know love because he laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our life for our brother. What does that mean? That's where true peace comes. I have no rights. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to say a thank you. You don't have to say thank you. You know why I did this for you? Because he did it for me. That's the reason. I can't give him anything. <laughs> what can I give to the creator of the universe? But you know what I can do for him? I can do it for those he loves. It says God so loved the world. Okay. That's how peace comes. Otherwise our peace is not real. It is not real. You know? That's why the Bible says, examine yourself. Okay. Because you're walking in faith, faith automatically brings righteousness. And righteousness automatically brings peace and joy. It comes, it's a combination. Righteousness, it's like the old joke we have, no? Have you ever gone to a restaurant, a South Indian restaurant and says, can you give me some sambar and chutney? You say no. They said you have to buy a dosa. Chutney and sambar is free. Right? You buy dosa, you get chutney and sambar free. You can't go there and order chutney and sambar. They will say, 
I mean, if you pay them too much money, they will give you. But that is not what it's supposed to be. They say you don't have to pay for chutney and sambar, sir. Just order a dosa. When you order a dosa, chutney and sambar, God says you don't have to worry about peace and joy. You know what you need to do? You need to run after righteousness. You get hold of righteousness, peace and joy will be automatically added. Okay? Yes, you have to pursue peace. I'm not saying you don't have it. But the righteous man will pursue peace. You cannot pursue peace without righteousness. That is the compromise of the world. That's the compromise of the world. But the righteous man, once he understands the righteousness of God, is always try to walk in peace. Pursue peace with all men. In Romans, Paul will say, as far as within you. Because meaning some people, it is not possible. It's true. In life, you meet people. And you can't blame them. You can get angry with them. That's the way they were framed. I was hearing a pastor. I haven't heard him for a long, long time today. who was saying that. Um, he says, the woman caught in adultery. One of the first things God, God shows is compassion. Why does he show compassion? Why should we show compassion with people we know who are walking in certain ways? It's because you do not know what made them that. Only God knows. Maybe it's a girl who was sexually molested by somebody in her family when she was three or four years old and then molested over. And now she is walking like that. How dare you look at a prostitute and say, a wicked woman. You don't know what how God loves her. We don't know. What has made people what they are? You don't know what has made them what they are. No? Okay, what they are. So we have to be very, very careful about these things. Very, very careful about things because we judge by seeing the surface. And God looks at her and says, I also don't condemn you. Go. Don't sin anymore. <coughs> sin anymore. Okay. The man crippled, brought down, roof broken. He looks at him and says, son, your sins are forgiven. Everybody must think, oh, wonder what sins he must have done to come to this stage. And Jesus doesn't even mention what it is. You're forgiven. It doesn't matter what it is. Your father forgives you. Go. Pick up your mat and go. No. And until we get into this, no, we will lose peace. We lose peace. And peace is the peace that Jesus brings is not the false peace. It is a peace that comes after war. Peace is a result of war. Ultimately, for a thousand year reign, we will have peace because Satan will be locked up, demonic activity will not, he will rule with a scepter of iron, the world will be full of peace, but people will not have peace within. We'll have a superficial peace outside, but people will not be at peace because the flesh is, the people of the flesh are still there and they don't like it. Because the flesh is fighting the Holy Spirit, but you can't do anything outwardly because the law is perfect. And there are saints ruling. So you cannot hide anything. Everything is visible, so there is peace. But when Satan is released, after that is the eighth millennium, is the reign of genuine peace. There is no sin. There is no Satan. There is no flesh. And peace will really, really, really flow. God will have peace with man, man will have peace with God, and the peace of God will reign over us. But we look to that day and we see, is there a response from me inside for that? That. But am I looking into the world? That's the thing if you look at the apostles like Peter, Paul and all. He looks at the people and says, you know what? I, need, I know you need me. And I want to stay back. You give me a choice, I'll go home today. I just want to get rid of this. Get out of this body, get out of this world and go there. Atmosphere, absolute peace. Okay, And that's what we need to strive for. The most important thing in life is peace. 
And don't let anything and anybody steal your peace. Destroy your peace. And be a peacemaker. Blessed are the peacemakers. And when we think about peacemakers, we think it is you and blue helmets. No. Some of them are the worst abusers in Africa. The women and children they have abused. And they wear blue helmet and they call peacekeepers. They're not peacekeepers. All of them. That's not what God is talking about. He's talking about a genuine peace that comes out of war. Where you have to address issues. You confront issues. And it is resolved. And after that, you know what happens? You have peace. Otherwise, no, especially talking in marriages. Otherwise, you will be like islands in the sea. Water is flowing nicely. You are green. She is green. Children are little, little green, green, green over there. But there's actually no peace. There's no peace. Because there's no real issues. No confrontation. It's not a gen- peace that is built on righteousness. Righteousness means it's the same standard for everybody in the home. Same standard. The standard of God. Standard of God comes. Okay? So come, let us pray.